Uh, well, Jesus, what the fuck? video land my name is adam fairholm and you're listening to the filmedinsert.com music video land podcast it's the only i think we're the only podcast out there just talking about music videos just talking to ourselves and also talking to directors and other creators in the music video industry and behind music videos and with me is mr doug Klinger of boynton beach florida how are you doug super good adam how are you I'm good. I'm here in beautiful Raleigh, North Carolina, and I think last time, Doug, we were like it was like we were in a doctor's waiting room. It was the middle of the day, too sober, and it just we've corrected both of those problems today. Well, I don't know. I don't know about you, but anytime I go to the doctors, I am like at least six or seven beers in, and um, so that's a poor that was that was a poor analogy to use because I'm always fucked up at the doctor's office. Hmm. Especially in the waiting room. I mean, it starts to wear off by the time I'm in the, with the doctor. You know, it would be nice if they had a little drink cart in the waiting room, wouldn't it? Well, yeah. sip sips. That would I'd be down with that. They have them at they have them at most events where you're kind of waiting around for stuff to get going. Yeah, I when uh, a lot of the barbers around Christmas time, they just have a whole kind of tray of alcohol right there. Barbers? Yeah. Hmm. You never cool. went to like uh, Vincent's and Coral Springs. I've never been to that place. Uh, I've been to EAC Barbershop in Coral Springs, but we're yeah, not going to get. We don't need to get into EAC Barbershop banter. What we need to get into, firstly, is what's that, Adam? Our guest for this week's podcast, that which is, is it. awesome. He has both an awesome name and awesome music videos, which doesn't happen a lot. And there's Mr. Alistair Legrand, director and editor of videos such as. The really um, sort of creepy, sort of awesome in equal parts, and creepy part can be awesome. Silent Shadows by Don Diablo, um, The Deep by Data Romance, The Grave Diggers Song by the Mark Lanigan Band. And Alistair is somebody who creates really visually um, surreal in a way uh, videos, but really kind of visually stunning images that you really don't expect i i definitely check out the date by data the deep by data romance which is um inspired in a really weird way by a video you you never expect uh, which we'll get into into the um uh into the interview and also definitely check out uh, i think that one of the standouts is the silent shadows by don diablo video and uh, alistair also has a really great uh relationship with some director of or some cinematographers slash directors of photography and uh we'll talk about that in the interview as well really interesting stuff and that is coming up in the second half of the show i don't have a cool name or cool music videos so i'm a little bummed out that alistair gets to have both but whatever some guys have all the luck um can't have a cool uncle and kissing a beautiful girl in the mouth i know i i'm pretty sure i don't get any of that stuff <laughs> I'm like I'm like devoid of all the stuff, but whatever. No, no offense to my uncles, if any of them are listening, I love you guys. Um, <laughs> what's um, what's prior to the interview, Adam? What's on the docket? What do we got to jazz about? Oh, we got lots to jazz about. We always got a list of things to jazz about. And um, if you're you ever read uh, Gizmodo, uh, it, I have. It's part of that network, that uh, weird network of blogs like uh, Gawker, like Lifehacker, Deadspin, Jezebel, which my wife really enjoys reading. Also, hey, first first drop of the word wife. Ooh, my, I meant to say wifey. And then um, <laughs> Fleshbot is actually <laughs> bought by this. And you can all tell because they all use the same blog structure. You ever notice that? They've all, anyway. Um, For sure, I noticed. But anyway, it's actually really a weird place to find music videos, especially Gawker post music videos pretty regularly. Gizmodo less so. But anyway, I was looking at it today, and uh, one post caught my eye. 
25 post-its make one delightful music video and that is a music video by a band called family bones for a song if you ever need someone really good song really catchy 20 uh, 25 post-its Twenty-five thousand. sorry oh Did I say 25 yes hmm. i'm an idiot but um it is a video that is done stop motion with post-it notes which you can i mean it's a concept that you know once you hear it you can kind of think of what it looks like and as post-it notes are square they actually use a lot of um like video game imagery so like when they make a flower it's the flower that looks like that from like mario mario brothers um there's a lot of video game industry uh, imagery and they also appear in the little uh, stop motion film that is created by these post-it notes it's a really cool video they also have a making of um this is all in the show notes filmdinsight.com slash podcast slash 43 and uh it's really cool and it is directed by animator aaron kaminar of a company called image flux uh makes sense that the animator will um direct this video but uh there's a comment on there the first one that says uh by someone math forget isn't this more or less the same idea that they used for kina granis as in your arms video but using post-it notes instead of jelly beans um, I think Kina's video has much more work to it, but this is cool too. I think that that's kind of such a stupid thing for someone to say, personally. Um, I mean, you could you could pretty much say, I mean, there are so few videos that come from a completely like unique and out of nowhere place. You know, like like for example, even if you look at like the Daniels, who we've kind of defined on this podcast as like being among the the best music video directors around um you know they had a uh their music video for the shins simple song just as it was coming out was already being compared to like royal tenenbaums and that kind of stuff and then essentially the exact plot line of that music video is the plot line of an upcoming fox 30 minute sitcom that's coming out so you know ideas kind of come come from a lot of different places and 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 whether or not the Kina Granis video was an influence um of of that other video I I, I don't think it matters it, it's still it's still an effective and cool and interesting video to watch well I think it raises an interesting question because it's something that they um I wouldn't say big brother but the you know the longer form counterpart part of the music industry uh, has dealt with for a long time Hollywood um dealt with this concept of running out of ideas right so you have um you know you look at the past five years or so so of videos or um, movies i should say and you've got a lot of um movies based on board games like battleship or um iron man 3 uh sequels to popular franchises and things like that and a lot of that has to do with um, financial feasibility and things like that but I think it's a common criticism of Hollywood is that there's no new ideas and you know we are still I mean compared to the film industry the music video industry is incredibly young so it's interesting to think of will or is there a point where we will reach a point where people will say Something along the lines of, oh, there's no new ideas for music videos. It's all just the same recycled stuff. I, I mean, do you think, though, that... I mean, it's not like it was just... It's not like it's this the exact same animation just with post-it notes instead of jelly beans. I mean, there is some uniqueness in there. I mean, even... I mean, I, I'm not. I'm not saying that. You know, I I, I'll, I full heartedly think that the words "Kina Granis in your arms" was either part of the treatment of this video or part of what the, you know, artist asked for. You know what I mean? I mean, those those words definitely were uttered during this com- the conversation of this video. But you know, there's reference videos for any music video that that these directors are getting and writing treatments on. You know what I mean? Artists are asking for with artists are using reference videos all the time so uh i don't don't think there's anything wrong with it and whether or not they're whether or not the idea comes from a fully unique place i think you could take you could take it somewhere i i don't think the if you ever need someone 
music video is the the battleship of music videos by any stretch. <laughs> no, and I'm, I'm not saying it is. I'm saying that. And I, first of all, I think it's it's important to say that there nothing I think anymore, especially in the age of the internet, comes from a purely unique place. I think it's all um, bits and pieces of different things recombined into different. Um, uh, configurations and you know something that might be completely unique to one group of people maybe old hat to another group of people I think there's such a large amount of content and things like that there may be something you know that somebody's done in Japan or something like that that's very simpler that similar that we just aren't aware of for some reason yeah um, with, with the internet of, of providing a platform to anyone who wants it you know what I mean? There's going to be so much more content shoved out there. But what was that? Was that episode of South Park that uh, Simpsons did it? <laughs> How, exactly. You know? I mean, will there come a time? I mean, there are treatments, right, for music videos. Um, and when an artist is looking around for a director, they get treatments, and these directors write out these treatments. And... I think one of the freeing things about the music video format, I would imagine, is that there's so much you can put on a screen. Unlike, you know, Hollywood or a narrative film, there is not this kind of more or less uh, structure. When you're dealing with a um, feature film, you need, you know, much more kind of uh, tried and true tropes, story arcs, different types of characters and things like that that are able to hold your attention for a certain amount of time. But for a three to four minute video, you can really just throw anything you want at that screen. Um, but I think there are sort of different threads that are going throughout. I mean, when is, uh, let's say an artist came out with something that was a large Rube Goldberg machine. Now, Rube Goldberg machine is not a something ridiculously obscure i mean it's a very well-known idea if you say rube goldberg to most people um maybe older people they're gonna know what you're talking about right um but if you if you like described it kind of the get like gave a one or two sentence thing like people may know, not know the name rube goldberg but if you're like you know a thing where like a ball rolls and it starts something else and it does another thing and like people will people have heard or have seen the concept of a rube goldberg machine before right now there are other bands and artists that have used rube goldberg machines in one way or another in a video um and i'll put some i don't have them offhand for some reason but i will put them in the uh in the show notes or create a list or something like that but um and i don't think that now that there has been a rube goldberg machine done really effectively like in the okay go this too shall pass video uh I don't think that Rube Goldberg machines are now completely off limits in music videos. And if any Rube Goldberg machine co music video comes out, it's not automatically a copy of the OK Go video. I think it's uh, maybe we can define some terms in terms of um, because obviously, you know, if somebody does a really great romantic comedy video, then or a movie that's not off limits for the rest of movies, they don't kind of throw up their hands and say, we're done with romantic comedies. Um, you know, the the uh, idea of a music video, or the content of a music video, or concept we can call it, is a much smaller thing and a much more specific thing. So I think there's a danger there of when you do something like, um, you know, when the Family Bones does a stop-motion video with post-it notes, they risk kind of... Uh, being called people who are kind of mooching off of somebody else's artistic idea, but when it's really just another mutation of a concept, maybe somebody else comes along and does an equally as impressive or a different take on a Rube Goldberg machine. Um, I think that's, you know, in the next, you know, five years of music videos, we're going to start to see some sort of mutation of popular concepts or at least concepts that work really well. Um, yeah, you know, I'm still, I, I still think, I mean, maybe because there's not a lot of distance between the Kina Grannis video and, and the, and this one, but, um, I don't know. I, I still think it's, I still think it's able to stand alone. It doesn't, it, you don't need to necessarily compare. There doesn't need to be like a one up, a one up or anything. If it's an effective video and the, and the artist liked it, you know what I mean? It doesn't matter to the influence. 
it, it just matters if the effect that they were trying to achieve was achieved, and I, and I think it probably was. I think that they're happy with the the outcome of that video, and and if it and if it gets compared to Keena Granis, people love that Keena Granis video, and they'd be like, oh, I, that video was awesome. Let me see what they did with Post-it notes. You know, the video also reminds me of is the um, White Stripes fell in love with a girl video. Well, yeah, I mean, stop motion is a very obvious tactic. You know what I mean? It's it's very rare that stop motion. You can't. You don't know when it's being used. You know what I mean. And a lot of times, directors will want go for that look because really, there's easier ways to make something move across the room than stop motion. And so, it's normally a look that directors are trying to achieve and and uh, an aesthetic that they're going for. You know what I mean? So well, all the way back from Peter Gabriel uh, Sledgehammer video. Yeah, and even outside of music videos, I mean, the concept of stop motion has been around for. As long at as least, film has, basically. Yeah, right, exactly. So I really enjoyed that video, and I think that it was probably effective, and the creators are probably happy with the outcome. Does it matter if the creators are happy with the outcome, though? I hear people say a lot, um, you know, we ask directors a lot if the fact of the artist like the video or not. And I guess maybe it's sort of a foregone conclusion because maybe it wouldn't be released if the artist doesn't like the video or not. Um, good... Does that matter at all? Well, it, it it seems to matter to the to the directors, right? And ultimately, that's the person who hires them. I think there's a lot of moving cogs, right? And there's the director, there's the video commissioner, there's the production company, um, people who have vested. I mean, there's a business. I mean, this is sort of the age old question of business and art and how they relate to each other. Um, there is the you know the art side of the music video, and then there's the business side of it, the production company and the director concerned about is the artist gonna love this or are they gonna hate this and never want to work with you again and hire another director or something like that. Um, and then there's the uh, uh, the sort of delivery mechanism. There's the concept of when a piece of art or a short video clip. Any something that you, anything that you experience, comes to you wrapped in these layers of context. So, which is why I think people can watch, two people can watch something different, and if one's the director of it, or if somebody was there on the set or knows that, oh, this video is completely, uh, you know, rife with disagreements between the director and the artist, or the, you know, the this thing happened on the set or this thing happened on the set and nobody's happy with it or just the director's happy with it, the artist's not happy with it or the other way around. And the director just did this and doesn't even want anybody to see it because the it was the artist's concept or something. <clears throat> when you're opening it up on a blog or you are finding it via film dancer or something like that, you're coming at it in a completely different realm of context. And in that context, the fact that the artist likes it or anything else has absolutely no bearing on that whatsoever. I think that when that matters is when the artist or the director uh, want to make that matter. Uh, well, I, th I think when I think I think maybe the idea of it coming like trying to please the artist is be, maybe comes from the fact that they did this for the artist, so they're trying to uh, appeal to people with that artist's sensibilities. And I think that a lot of artists would argue that there's a hundred different meanings of effectiveness for different parties. Um, there's the, of course, the business end of being, of being effective. Is it, does it convert people who were not fans of the song into people who are fans of the song in the band and convert that into uh, uh, money and a growing fan base? Or is it, you know, for the director or for the people making the music video, is it effective as artistic statement sometimes i think some of those measures of effectiveness are not even taken into account and sometimes one is taken into the account over the other uh but if somebody makes it to the end of the video one or the other probably was there right exactly yeah so effectiveness in someone's eyes if you if you go to that video though i guess ineffectiveness is easier to easier to quantify if you if you end up on that video because you wanted to compare it to Keena Grannis, you're like this sucks this isn't even close and you shut it off at th 3 seconds into it or whatever then you know it doesn't matter that you copied something that was awesome or 
or were influenced by something that was awesome, it's still not going to be awesome. But if you're still able to make something awesome, even if it's from an older idea, I keep making that point. So if we keep making the same point, that's the point where we cut it off. Well, what? So the next point, the next point to make is the interview. That's right. You finally made it through all the bullshit we just said to come to our interview, and that was Mr. Alistair Legrand, director, editor of music videos. Of course, this is a music video podcast. We're not talking to people who are directing serial commercials here, people. We need um, we need some things from you. We need you to watch the deep data romance video, uh, Silent Shadows by Don Diablo, and the Grave Digger song by the Mark Legrand band. Lan- Lanagrand, sorry, it's not like it's not like the Mark Legrand, Alistair Legrand's brothers' uh, band. Oh boy, uh, and there are um, other music videos on his page that are equally as good. These are just the ones that we mentioned in the interview. So check them out. And here's our interview with Mr. Director and Editor Alistair Legrand. My name is Alistair Legrand, and I make music videos. Nice, concise. Do you? Yeah. Know- um- <laughs> I could go into more nonsense about how I'm a struggling screenwriter too, but I don't want to bore <laughs> anyone to tears. Now, do you do commercials uh, as well, or, is it, or or mainly concentrating on music videos right now? Um, I'd like to do more commercials, um, like any other director in this town. But um, I have done one small commercial for Sony before. Oh, nice! But yeah, I the dream is to one day shoot like lavish Nike Nike commercials or something. <laughs> Definitely, yep. yeah. They've got the money. That's where yep. the money is. Um, yeah, they got the money, and they they uh, like grandiose subject matter. So exactly. Well, you've got a, a little bit of some. You have some grandiose subject matter in in your videos. <laughs> uh, yeah, I try. Which we'll get to in a little bit. But I was I was curious about where you got into this into this business uh, um, originally. Well, I've been obsessed with film since I was 11, um, and I uh, just always wanted to make movies, and I did the old film school thing, and then uh, moved down to Los Angeles about four years ago and just tried to start becoming a filmmaker and started making videos for smaller bands, and then um, it's basically just evolved from there. And where'd you go to film school? I went to film school in Canada. I went to Vancouver Film School. Oh, nice. Are you Canadian? No, no, no. I am actually, um, I was raised in Philadelphia. I, I am a Philadelphian. And so what brought you to <laughs> Vancouver for film school? Let's see. I was looking at, I didn't want to go to a film school that was uh, like a four-year program um, that was more based on like film theory because I've, I know a lot of film theory, and I've, I've read a lot of books, and I mean, I, I love film theory, like, I love it, but I just kind of wanted to learn the technical side of filmmaking, and it was a choice between, there were only a couple film schools that just focused on being on set, and like, learning about editing, and learning about cinematography, and doing it all at once, and that was London Film School in Vancouver, and uh, I kind of flipped the coin, and the coin landed on the side of Vancouver, plus it was just economically more uh, sensible because London was massively expensive. <laughs> and <laughs> Vancouver looked like a really great city. So Nice. Um, and you yeah. talk about how you, you started by doing videos for, for smaller bands and it evolving from there. And do you think that there's uh, also an evolution that's reflected in your work. I mean, I mean the the stuff that you do more recently is it, like seems to have more of a similar theme to one one another. There, you know, there definitely seems to be kind of a evolution in your work. Do you do you agree? Oh yeah, one hundred percent. I when I first started making videos, I was just trying to do whatever and uh, like whatever I could, and I just come up with ideas, you know, for the bands and. Um, it wasn't really my style. I wasn't really having a lot of... I mean, I was having a good time, but it wasn't like... I didn't feel accomplished after the videos were over. And um, I think in the past year, I've just... 
started to write more towards like my sensibilities. Um, and I don't know, it's helped out greatly. Just slowly, um, just getting a form for myself, and it's it's worked. It's just and been uh, more satisfying, really. That, and what would uh, you say, like these? Uh, like some of the specific, you know, sensibilities and 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 ideas that you 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 kind of find yourself exploring now that you're kind of taking the, taking those those leaps towards the, that direction. I don't know. I have more fun coming up with stuff that's like beautiful, but with a slight um, bullish side to it. Like <laughs> I don't know why I lean towards that, um, but I just I, I like things with kind of like a, a macabre bent and. Um, Anything that could take place in a haunted house really is, is usually usually the the path I, I go on, and it, it's just satisfying. I think it just came from growing up on Edward Gorey comics and just always loving uh, horror and just uh, also also loving like the filmmakers that inspired me when I was um, growing up were more of like that their work was a huge spectacle. It wasn't really like the witty filmmakers. It was more of like the uh, giant tableau filmmakers, like the Finchers and um, the like Jonathan Glazer, and uh, even to the point of like Michael Bay was a huge inspiration of me because I was like, wow, his movies are massive, <laughs> like and they're they're beautiful. Like there's just something about them. Um, no, I know it's crazy to say, and a lot of like Italian horror filmmakers inspired me it's just uh that's the kind of stuff i have more fun creating now are you inspired by michael bay's music videos as well oh yeah totally <laughs> for anybody listening uh, who doesn't yeah. know he's he, i think he's done he did a lot of videos in the 90s like for meatloaf and a few of those guys he's it's kind of oh his, yeah uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, all of his commercials yeah he he, he knows what's up so we want to talk a little bit about some of your videos specifically, um, because sure. we're looking at you know we're looking at the YouTube comments for a lot of your recent videos, and oh god, uh, <laughs> and we know if, as any filmmaker knows, YouTube comments are like um, the the bottom of of the barrel. But you seem the yeah. videos always inspire a lot of theories on what imagery means and on what uh you, you know what certain things in, in a video mean so for you know your you know your later work you know talking about like the deep the deep data romance and the silent shadows for don diablo videos um are you going into in those with um you know imagery on your on your mind first are you going into those with sort of looking for um you know to p portray something a deeper meaning through that imagery you're looking for something that that looks cooler more um, I go into those videos, I mean, usually, you know, just the, I'm sure you've heard from a lot of directors, you just listen to the track about 4,000 times, um, <laughs> and whatever starts kind of, like, hitting your brain for what should go along with the, the music is usually what comes up first, and then, um, with the Deep and with the Don Diablo one, it was, that was just what the music sounded like to me, uh, and with the Deep, I started to get little, I, I've always wanted to do something with with Cromp dancing, and I was the beat to me just sounded like kind of like their more robotic movements, and it, but with a little bit of a mixture of ballet. Like I just started to get flashes of like just dancers, and then um, yeah, also like cloth smoke. Explain a little bit about what and, that that dance style is, because that that originates from Memphis, correct? Yes, yes, that that is um, just crumping. It, it's. Uh, that is an evolution off of crumping, which is a pretty LA-based dance. Um, you can watch the documentary Rise is all about it. Um, it's just evolved from break dancing and from uh, just a multitude of dance styles that have all been combined into one. And crumping is very um, primal. It's really physical. It's like it's very spontaneous. You're constantly making up, but as you, as you go along, and it's. Uh, involved into juking which transferred from LA over to Memphis and juking is like crumping but mixed with more elegant maneuvers so a lot of the jukers are actually ballet trained and they um, add like more graceful moves with their arms and legs to the already like 
very primal, animalistic form of, like, crumping. And it becomes one gorgeous-looking dance. And so where, where, do you, where do you find dancers like this who are, who are you know, working that style? You, uh, <laughs> you go on a search and you call a lot of people and you get really depressed. And then um, <laughs> four days before filming, your producer says, why don't we just reach out to them over YouTube? And I was like, all right, let's try it. And uh, we reached out to Little Buck, who was um, on my radar as a guy I'd like to do a video with. And he responded, and he asked if I wanted to go eat vegetarian food. And um, that video almost starred, like, just <laughs> good dancers, I and mean, it would have been totally different. Um, yeah, so we we just happened to uh, kind of get some nerve and, and reach out. It, it was it was great. Everything just started working out that video. Surreal. No, like and, everything came true. So for the tell us a little bit about the styling of these dancers for the video, because one of the things that's really interesting about it is it's, it's this you know dance with you know modern elements but they're you know dressed in these kind of like flowing rags and have this this you know makeup on where, where did that come from and who, who did that um the rag thing was that came from me um i just have i draw a lot and uh, i just have a lot of drawings of um, almost post-apocalyptic people and i i just prefer like the hoodie look with like a bit of a flowing cape to it. <laughs> so I had these reference drawings and I just, um, at the time when we were trying to come up with what the dancers are going to be wearing, I, I just, I, I went to those cause I wanted to see those in a video. And then, um, once we started, once the designer started working with the outfits actually, um, and I was working simultaneously with our makeup artist, it kind of evolved into this one complete look. So then, once the makeup started to be just pure black and white with a bit of gray, the case started to go gray, and then it kind of like now they just look like uh, dancers from from hell, like just like ghostly, amazing figures. Um, and the makeup was done by the incredible William Lemon, who's uh, just an artist. He he makes makeup but he basically does paintings on people's faces um like every single job he does is incredible it's like a little work of art and he came on board and uh we just started working out concepts he was sending me makeup tests he was doing on his face because uh, <laughs> he was filming in northern canada and he didn't really have like a subject so he did all the dancers looks on his face and he would just send me little iphone pictures and um what I wanted to go for was uh, the only direction I gave to him was I want it to be unsettling and I want it to look uh, I, I want to make them look like look a little bit like ghosts and he just came up with that he does uh, extraordinary things with texture he has all these uh, little techniques he does and we put it all over their hands and their arms and uh, then that was it and then it just worked well with the dancers and what they came up with yeah, the black and white uh, really works well with that, with the uh, w- with the texture on their faces. It kind of reminds me of, I don't know if, you, if this ever entered into your guys' head when you're making this, it reminds me of the Beyonce single ladies video, only uh, a, um, a ghostly version of it. Have you ever seen that video? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> single ladies is a big inspiration. Was it really? <laughs> All right. No, seriously, I'm not kidding. No, I... That that video is uh, amazing. It is, yeah, that's um, one of my favorites. Just in how how simple it is, but also at the same time, incredibly complex. Like the dance is amazing. And, didn't, um, Kanye, didn't Kanye West say that was the greatest video of all times? I think he might have done. He he may have said that. I think he did. Like, yeah, it's definitely yeah. up there. No, I, I um, said it when he took stole Taylor Swift's microphone. Um, uh, <laughs> away from her. Yeah, yeah. Single ladies was was an influence. We watched a lot. Well, that's, um, the band actually, once I started selling, sending them ideas for like the cape and stuff and I wanted flowing fabric, they sent me a video by Motorat and they were like, like this? And I was like, oh no, <laughs> <laughs> the entire video is black and white and it's just a gorgeous piece of cloth moving in the wind. And I was like, ah. <laughs> uh, so that was, that was an influence by the band, I guess, once they started seeing stuff. And, um, 
the black and white was just a choice between me and my my cinematographer. Eventually, we were like color black and white, color black and white, and we um, did some did a bunch of camera tests, and black and white really worked with the makeup. Not a lot of music videos, you know, you know, take the amount of time that you do in in kind of like you know you don't hear you don't hear people getting you know artistic makeup artists and and spending all of that time in a, in a lot of music videos these days, especially for the YouTube generation, you know what I mean? The, the most popular music videos are, are just, you know, yeah. people dancing in the street in crazy clothes. So, so what is it like trying to like kind of, uh, you know, make these, uh, these artistic kind of styled music videos for this YouTube generation? Well, I, I think it works out, um, especially with indie bands, because they all want something, they don't want something that's, been done before so they're always coming to you with like please just do something no one's ever seen before which is a huge challenge because now <laughs> everything's been done before like everything so like we're, we're just trying to <laughs> reinvent the wheel a little bit uh and it, it just with the bands that i've worked with so far it's it's just they get it like they don't want to make something that's boring that you've seen before so they try to just let you kind of roam free to figure out um and work hard for it, you know? Even if we just have, like, a week of pre-production, you still have that time to get out there and try to figure out a visual that no one's seen before or a visual that's, like, really exciting. And even if people are watching it on YouTube, it, uh, you know, a four-inch screen, you got to have <laughs> something in there that catches someone's eye so they don't just turn it off immediately. Um, not that I direct for that at all. Um, <laughs> It's just, you know, we, we just try to come up with very, very interesting, captivating visuals. So, so how do you... On my last set, what? No, I'm sorry. No, no, no. Continue if you've got... Uh, I just thought it was just a small thing. On my last set, I actually had a person who was working with the artist who was explaining to me how YouTube works. It was pretty amazing. Like the, like the back end of how it actually works? She was like, well, we got to make these videos for, you know people watching stuff on YouTube, and then, and then she pulled out her iPhone, and she showed me the size, um, just to make sure that I was directing for that size. So I was like, oh, God. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so, so what is, this is a question that we kind of ask, we've asked, you know, before on the show, but it's, it's something that we, we really find interesting, and it kind of goes to this point, is, is what, how do you gauge a music video's success? Is it, is it whether a band likes it or not, or, or whether it, you know, because, because some, you know, people get can can get caught up in like, oh, it got viewed this many times, so this is the best video, or it got this many likes on Facebook, or something like that. What is what makes a video successful to you? Uh, yeah, if the band's happy. I mean, that's successful to me. And if my um, <laughs> when showing it to my friends, they're not just gritting through their teeth and telling me <laughs> that it's a good video. Uh, <laughs> I, I have very honest friends, um, and so they they usually tell me if something's cool or not. Um, are nice and uh, I, I don't the view count things never been a, a worry of mine it, it, I always thought that was kind of weird when you see directors out just constantly checking their Vimeo view counts but um, I mean some people really like that but I don't know my videos have never like reached huge Vimeo levels um, and so <laughs> you know I, I, I don't really I guess I'm terrible at marketing my own product but uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I just, I, yeah, I've never gotten caught up in that. It's more about if I'm happy with the cut and I can watch it over and over again and if the band said that they like it a lot. And so far, so good. So one video that seems like it ha it definitely has that a aspect of a visual that you immediately kind of remember, even on a four-inch screen, is the silent... Shadows video for Don Diablo, where you have this oh, yeah. muscular-looking man cutting into items. Some of them are bleeding, uh, and some of them are not. And you know, there's it's such a central concept to the video. What was the what was was what was the light bulb moment where you're like, aha, we have to have this guy with a chainsaw cutting into things, and they're bleeding all over the place. Um, well, that is what dubstep sounds like to me. Um, <laughs> Dubstep to me, I, I don't know, it just has such a odd mechanical, funny sound. Like, dubstep just makes me laugh. Like, I can't actually listen to it just because it's really funny. Like, I, I just, I can't stop laughing. So, when I hear it, it just either sounds like 
10 cars flipping on the highway, which would have been really expensive, or <laughs> a chainsaw cutting through objects. Um, and then the uh, muscular man with his helmet just came from, I decided to start, I wanted to make a um, kind of a car commercial for a chainsaw. So everything was based, it was, I just wanted to make it really stylized and just be kind of like this fetish video about a man and his chainsaw, like something that you would watch. If there was a culture that was obsessed with chainsaws instead of iPads, this would be the thing that they would watch. Now, has, um, have any and, chainsaw companies contacted you interested in? No, I, I thought it like John Deere was going to be calling me like really quickly to come make commercials for their machinery, but nothing has come out of that, unfortunately. That is unfortunate. I think they're missing something there. Um, yeah, I get, there are a lot of angry comments on YouTube that say, WTF, is this a chainsaw commercial? <laughs> so I guess I did my job. And what was the selection process for the objects that you decided were going to be shooting at these spurts of blood? Uh, I'm trying to think of objects that would, um, <laughs> that just, uh, objects that made me laugh that would be spurting blood that are completely ridiculous. So I was like, oh, a bookshelf or a log. We'll just have one item that you would actually cut with a chainsaw, but for some reason it's spurting blood. And, um, yeah, and then the the jugs of liquid just came from, actually, our, we had a day of cutting through stuff with the chainsaw, and those worked out really well. Um, and then the mannequin was just something I wanted to cut through. I thought that would have been really cool. Um, birthday cake. Yeah, just, like, little stuff that I, I just thought was funny. And we actually had, like, a, a lot more objects. We um, <laughs> I sent my wonderful producer, Judy, out, and she... She scoured Craigslist and various thrift shops, and she went to a lot of shady flea markets and got a ton of stuff, and uh, we we only used about half of it. Um, wow. So, yeah. You could have an extended just, director's cut of of more objects. Because I think there's people, I mean, there's, oh, there's, yeah, there's, yeah. We, <laughs> those slow motion videos well, are, are very popular online, you know, people cutting through things or, set, or shooting a bullet through a balloon, you know, a water balloon or something like that. Um, yeah, the phantom camera videos. Yeah. Um, you know, in terms of shooting this, you know, uh, was this also with, I know you have a DP that you work with frequently. Was this also with him? No, actually. Um, John, who I've worked with since film school, uh, was busy. He was out shooting a feature. Um, and so this was a great opportunity to me for me to see if I could actually work with someone else and there was a DP named Yash Bahat, um, who had been recommended to me by a few people. He usually shoots Bollywood stuff. <laughs> and uh, Yash and I sat down and had breakfast a few times. And we just like met and became friends. And then finally this project came along. And uh, he's a very normal human being. Like He just shoots really like beautiful stuff like uh, about you know, men and women falling in love. So I was, when I brought up this concept to him, I was like, uh. and I was like, Yash, there's going to be a chainsaw cutting through a log, and the log is going to explode in the blood. What do you think? And he was like, oh, that's wonderful, Alistair. And I was like, <laughs> I was like are you serious? He has like three kids. I was like, <laughs> he's, he's just a, a really down-to-earth, wonderful human being. So I was like, oh, wow, I can't believe you're on board with this. All right, let's go do it. Uh, <laughs> and how did it how did it work uh how did it work logistically how did you get how did you get logs to bleed did you infuse life into them first and then um that is a simple old horror technique that i've been dying to use it's just tubes um hidden behind objects and it's all connected to a gigantic reserve of blood that is placed in an old fire extinguisher that we would um it's, it's very concentrated, so we can expel it at any time. And uh, we had an amazing blood girl who actually does that as a job. Uh, really? Named Christina Waltz. Yeah. And she came through, and she was really excited about the project. And we just, it just, uh, she was really good at shooting blood out of inanimate objects. <laughs> that's got to be, yeah. that's an interesting career to get into, to be like, that's your gig. 
Um, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. You can find people like that here. It's, it's wonderful. Now, speaking of the horror genre, we definitely have to talk about the Gravedigger song for the Mark uh, Langan band. Is that how you pronounce it, Langan? Yes. Okay. Or Lanigan. Uh, I've heard it both ways, so I think we're both right. Okay, cool. That's always good when we're when two people are both right. Um, <laughs> yes. And, and there's definitely, uh, you know, you can see the horror influence of here from various, um, you know, films throughout the years. And so I just wanted to ask about a few things. Number one is the um, what seems to be the all female cast, because one of the things in you know, the horror genre, there's a lot of, um, you know, male and female gender roles and things like that. And, it, and you know, sure, yeah. everybody in here is, is female. Why is why the all-female cast? Uh, this was more interesting to me. Uh, it's based on um, the movie Suspiria. <laughs> hmm. was was a, a bit of an influence on that um, at the start. Uh, Suspiria is about a, a ballet school, and uh, it has pretty much an all-female cast, and it was just, I, I just thought it worked best for the uh, story, and um, the video was, was semi-random in terms of the imagery, but there was this other story that I've always wanted to do about three sisters that live in a house, and they're ghosts, but for some reason they age, but they stop at age 30, um, so it's them when they're little, and it's them when they're older. And they worship a rose that has teeth and can talk. Uh, so that, that's where all the all girls thing came from. And how does the sort of the face morphism tie into that? That at the end. Um, the face, uh, is, uh, you know, face obscure, you know, obscuring faces and and things like that. And then you know, that showing them when they're old. If they stop at thirty, then. Um, then why show them old at the end of the, at the end of the video, or is that them? That's not them, actually. Um, <laughs> that that is just uh, I'm not sure who that is, but that is <laughs> the story came up. That's just like two uh, like 14 year old boys that just wander around the farm compound, <laughs> and uh, that's that's the gummo aspect of the video, and they just kind of wander around they wear um that was all influenced by ralph meatyard photography um who's an extraordinary photographer from the 60s i believe and he would uh put his family in these weird halloween masks like just his family members or his wife or his kids and take these uh, amazing looking black and white pictures of them hmm. and they were really <laughs> they're really unsettling but kind of funny at the same time and uh I love Halloween masks, so we just, the DP and I went out and we just started uh, shooting those two kids, and it just ended up looking good. So you say you love Halloween masks. Any any type yes. of, any particular type of Halloween mask? No, no, no. I, I, I like them all. <laughs> we, we have, uh, you know, I, I, start, I started a small collection that I hide in my closet like a psychopath. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I just have it. I use it in videos, and uh, people always bring me Halloween masks as gifts. For some reason, it's, it's like become a thing. <laughs> nice. Um, yeah. Uh, we, um, Adam and I always hate asking people uh, ahead of time if, if they were influenced by something, because um, we're often wrong, and then we usually have to cut the question out. But... Um, <laughs> Uh, you know, you 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 talk about having a um a lot of influence in like early horror and stuff like that. And I was I was wondering if in the Holy Spirit's Handmade Son video, if there's any um influence from the uh, 1931 Boris Kar uh, Boris Karloff's Frankenstein. Yeah, I'm sure sub subconsciously. I, I love the old Boris Karloff ones, and um, I I love the story of a monster and then the. And the monster, you know, becoming friends with a normal person. Just the the idea of that uh, has always, you know, it's it's just it's a great story. Um, so I, I did watch that Karloff one a, a lot as a child. So and I feel like lately a lot <laughs> a lot of my work is just um, stuff kind of bubbling to the surface from when I was a kid. So um, I, I'm sure that was a part of it. 
So in terms of what's next for you, uh, are you are you working on anything that's coming out in the near future? Um, yes, I, I just directed a video for a uh, DJ named Burns out of Scotland. He's a, he's also a music producer. Hmm. Um, it's a really great track called Lies, and um, it's a, it's a, it's a weird video, but I think it's really cool. It's 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 uh, about just a girl in an attic with no face. And she dances, um, like and that. she's obsessed. With, <laughs> obsessed. <laughs> she's only had one channel in her attic for a very long time, and that is a uh, channel constantly playing rap videos. So her whole uh, decor is just is all just rap video inspired. So there's a lot of fluorescent tubes going on and off. So that's that's a, that's definitely there's a lot of meta stuff going on in there. Uh, since we're talking about a, you know the influence culturally is music videos, I will we'll definitely be interested to check that one out because it's uh, yeah we're we're intre- we're always interested in the whole rap uh, music video culture. What is there like a certain era that she's interested in? Like is it like '90s or like 2000s era rap in the video? Um, yeah, kind of '90s, a mixture between rap and um, like. TLC, Whitney Houston, uh, R&B videos. Oh, nice. Um, it was, uh, I'd say she had uh, waterfalls on a lot. <laughs> and um, she also had a lot of um, old Ice Cube videos on. Nice. So that was pretty big influence. Her and um, everybody else had waterfalls on a lot. I'm pretty sure when that video came out, it played like 75 times of uh, yes. three hours. It, it was like yeah, exactly. Um, and uh, lately, she'd been watching a lot of Schoolboy Q videos. Have you ever seen in the MTV version of the Tom Green show when uh, he's got a cardboard cutout audience? And he's sawing them in half, and it's spewing blood from the from the from the chainsaw. I do not remember that. I can't believe they let him do that. I know it was really crazy. It was really over the top. But that Don Diablo video by Alistair, it it reminds me of that um, of that Tom Green that Tom Green episode. But I didn't have the guts to ask if it was influenced by it because we normally get no's to that <laughs> question. So um, that's always a horrible question to ask. If anybody, it's the worst. We're not like pro interviewers or anything like that. But in our time, we've learned a few tips and tricks. Number one, never ask an artist if it's something is influenced by something else because they will get really offended, we find, that we're accusing them of copy, copying something, which is never the case. Not, actually, not, a, not, a, not Maybe not offended. They just... <laughs> they just rarely say yes, and and it definitely didn't happen with Alistair. So it, so it's funny that we're talking about that in this episode. That's that's not something that happened in this in this case. But. Yeah, because I scored a rare victory. I asked him if the deep was inspired by um, Beyonce single ladies, and sure enough, it was. It was. It was. Congratulations on uh, taking that risk. Taking that risk. Adibes. <laughs> Uh, you know what else is the best is uh, P.O. Dubs. Oh man, I'm excited for Bix of the Week this week because I have a sweet one that just. Uh, I have a really good one too, but I'm gonna let you go first. Okay. Um, <laughs> once in a while, a video, music video just really makes me very happy, and this is one of those instances. And this is Da Da Life. Kick out the epic motherfucker. Because we can say motherfucker. We're not afraid of. We're not scared of uh, a explicit tag. No, we we fuck it up. <laughs> Dada Life is two people who look very much alike, and that's really most of the things you need to know for this video. It presents them in different tableaus, sort of normal tableaus, but they're just staring at the camera. One of them almost always has their arms folded, looking very serious, and then during the chorus they just go nuts and destroy things. Uh, so I'll give you an example. Uh, there is outside a suburban home a, a very obese man in swim trunks with his shirt off is filling up a sort of like uh, pool, like an outdoor pool, not a very big one, and 
you just sort of see just little blips of them just standing there, staring next to this guy. And then during the uh, during the chorus, they just flip the pool over. And then it's a very, I mean, obviously, you know, we're talking about will music videos ever run out of ideas. When somebody is pitching, hey, you guys are going to stand here, stare at the camera, and then, during, you know, in these different scenes, and then just go nuts when the chorus comes on. If, if videos like this are getting made off of that concept, and then being as good as this, then uh, we are in absolutely no trouble at all. The originalness will continue. But I think the joy of this comes from just how absolutely serious these two guys are, and a little bit of the interplay of the... they. Uh, Mickey Finnegan, the director, does a great job of not making it sort of these uh, cliche, like boring suburban life tableaus. There's no really that. There's not really that perspective here. The uh, so there's a, a really interesting kind of silent dynamic between the different characters that they put put them with. My favorite is the woman who is pouring them coffee, and they're just sitting there. With two cups of coffee and some, you know, donuts and a muffin. This is a great shot of him taking it. One of the guys taking a bite of a muffin in slow motion, and there's just really no explanation or really any uh, attempt to explain what is going on here. You just have to kind of accept it, and then by this time you know what is coming, which makes it extra uh, enjoyable. So that is uh, Dada Life Kick Out the Epic Motherfucker, uh, directed by Mickey Finnegan a great pick adam thank you um my pick of the week is going to contain a whole bunch of name mispronunciations oh good uh so look out for this um my pick of the week is by an artist named carrie pamu pamu uh she is and uh the song is called pon 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 uh carrie is a model blogger recording artist um, from the Harajuku district of Tokyo. Um, and uh, if this music video proves anything, it is that I know very little about Japanese culture. Um, but what I do know about it is that it is crazy and awesome. Um, in this music video, Miss Pamu Pam Pamu, um, starts by st standing there awkwardly for a few seconds and then pulling a microphone out of a giant ear as she stands in this so color such a colorful room it looked like it looks like the room of like a six-year-old uh, a six-year-old girl um who was on ecstasy like there's just so many bright colors in this room um and then she proceeds to sing this very awesome bubblegum pop style Japanese song um, and do these amazing dance moves. Uh, there's a very large, what appears to be a woman, but you can't really tell because the face is chromed out, uh, also dancing around with her. And um, there are a lot of bright colors. There are a lot of toys and, <laughs> and weird products. And uh, uh, I could watch this video for like six days straight. Um, that's those are my that's my own problem it's my own thing so i wouldn't recommend anyone doing that but i certainly do and uh, have and uh so i direct you to it because it's really great there's a lot going on in this music video and i love it all so go check it out carry pom you pom you pon 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 my pick of the week dance moves out the wazoo directed by <laughs> directed by <laughs> by june tam you Kai. Uh, well, Jesus, what the fuck? Why does this keep audio? Whoa, this is. You weren't kidding, man. It's a serious video. Isn't Where it? did you find this? Man, it's it's uh when you run in when you run a music video website database. <laughs> <laughs> you, you find some uh, stuff. If ever the ducks. These ducks that are, um, God, were they covered in, wow, there's a lot to look at here. What, there's much... a lot going on, but I really, I really like this. It's a lot of fun. No, but seriously, where did you just find it on YouTube? 
Uh, I was directed to it. Somebody, I was, uh, somebody recommended. I said, I told, you know, I tell, I tell, I tell peeps that I run, uh, that we, that we have a music video database and they're always like, oh, have you seen this music video? And rarely, uh, rarely is it a no, but then they pulled <laughs> this, this puppy up and I was like, I have not seen that music video. And so, so there's a very, very quick shot of a box of macaroni. There's a lot of weird stuff going on in this video. So many weird product placements and stuff. I don't. I mean, I'm there's, sure it's not paid. Oh no, definitely. Why would Kraft pay? There's, there's a, there's a little shot of like her bending over and all these like colors and shapes. Yeah, this video is viral. Butt. It's got like, it's got like 30 million views. So, but, um. <laughs> Craft would love to be associated oh, with this. Yeah. This theme, craft. I mean, this looks like a. Doesn't look that different than a like a Nickelodeon kids show. Uh, no, seriously, there were some trippy ass craft commercials. Do you remember the dinosaur? It would go into like this macaroni and cheese like f factory where. Oh man, those were those were about as trippy as this pom 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 video. What's that? Oh, but the, um, the dance moves at the back end, though. Oh, they're so good. This reminds me a lot of uh, Lazy Town. Ever see Lazy Town? I've seen everything. you no nothing except for when anyone we interview asks us if we've seen anything <laughs> answers the answer is always no without fail even if we have seen it we can't remember that we have we're like have uh, you seen you that get... a, it's a, a beastie boy sabotage no what's that <laughs> what is that yeah, it was directed by uh spook jeans 